Well, I got a notice from the cable company that they were updating their systems, which is never a good thing. And it meant that my internet router would be obsolete. I had bought my own internet router to avoid the monthly service charge, and then they updated their system, and now that meant it was no longer going to be able to work on their system. So I asked them how long until they could get me one, and they said, well, it would be a week, but if you came into the store, uh, we, we would have one for you. And the store was five minutes away from our house, and driving over to the store, I made it to the store, and I said, hey, I'm here to pick up the, the router. I said, we're out of stock, so I don't know what happened in that five-minute drive, but uh, apparently something had happened. And this, I said, well, do you have any available? And they said, we can't have one here until tomorrow. And the problem with that was Brooke had already made plans to go out for the night with her friends, which meant I would be watching the boys. And when you get all of your entertainment via the internet, and your four-year-old at the time is accustomed to Jake and the Neverland Pirates, the home shopping network just doesn't do the trick. He's not really interested in the bracelet and the makeup and the five easy pay. So I said, well, what can be done? And they said, well, there's another store in about an hour away. I said, set it aside. I am on my way. And I drove that hour, made it to the store, waited in line 15 minutes, got the router, drove the hour home, all because I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. I needed to go get it. I was unwilling to wait. Maybe you've experienced something like that in your life. Maybe it's been some merchandise for you. Um, maybe you're a gamer, and so you're one of the lucky few who got your order in. And this week you got that brand new PS5, and you just literally could not wait, shaking with excitement all, all for that box to arrive. Maybe you're hungry, and you've ordered the pizza for delivery and found out it'd be an hour and a half, and said, never mind, I'll pick it up. And then you can have it in 20 minutes. Maybe it's to see somebody. You already had plans on the books to, to go and to spend time with somebody, but you just couldn't wait for that day to roll around, so you went out instead to go see him earlier. I don't know what it is for you, but this morning as we continue Hope in the Hard Times, our look at the New Testament books of First and Second Thessalonians, we're continuing today in First Thessalonians, we'll be in chapter 3, but this is the environment where we pick up First Thessalonians 3. The environment where Paul and Silas and Timothy, they went to Thessalonica and they, God used them in an incredible way in that city, and they helped start the church there. And now they can't bear it any longer. They need to go and to see them. But there's some obstacles, and we'll talk about those in just a minute. But if you have your phones or your tablets, we'd invite you to follow along with us in the Bible app in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, where we begin this morning with verse 1, where we read these words. Therefore... When we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith. Paul writes here, we, we couldn't take this any longer. We, we literally could not take it. We had to see you. And so what happened was they couldn't all go as a result of some hardships that were going on in their lives. And one of the things we have to remember, one of the things we have to remember is that there was incredible persecution. And there was 
there was incredible opposition to the work that God was doing in Thessalonica. It wasn't that everything was going great. Paul and Silas and Timothy had to leave the city. They were chased out. Their lives were threatened as a result of them doing what God had called them to do. And now they're in Athens, and they long to go back to Thessalonica, but they can't all go back to Thessalonica. So Paul decides to send Timothy, which means while Paul is going through a very difficult period in his life, he's willing to send his close friend. And he's willing to suffer for the sake of others. Love always requires sacrifice. Love always requires sacrifice. And one of the greatest problems in our society, when you look at all the statistics of relationships and marriages and divorce, is we've lost this very foundational concept that love demands sacrifice. It demands it. And instead, we've taken this this foundational truth that love requires sacrifice, and we've replaced it in our society with the idea that if you do anything to exalt someone else, if you do anything to sacrifice yourself, that means you do not love and value yourself enough, and there's not enough self-care going on in your world. And nothing could be further from the truth, but that's the lie that our society has tried to has tried to make mainstream, and they've succeeded, quite frankly, in doing so. So that we have an entire generation that believes they don't need to sacrifice, and they wonder why there's so many complications and so many failures in relationships. The answer is clear. And it's quite frankly very simple to understand. It's not simple to implement, but it's simple to understand. And gone is this very foundational idea that love requires sacrifice. And here we see it playing out. That Paul, in the midst of a hard time in his life, is willing to be left alone, is willing to be isolated so that the people in Thessalonica could benefit. He is putting their needs above his own and before his own and elevating them over himself, exalting others over himself. And he continues, and he shares why. That no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. He says, the reason I'm willing to do this, the reason I'm willing to put your needs above my own, the reason I'm willing to be left alone is because we want you to be strong in your faith. We want you to be strong in your faith so that when the hard times come, you are not shaken. We want what's best for you so that when the hard times come, you are not shaken. And notice what he says. Notice what he says. He talks to them about their destiny. 
And listen to this loving and warm reminder he sends to them about their destiny. That you are destined for suffering and affliction. I mean, this is heartwarming stuff. You are destined for suffering and affliction. I mean, what parent at night doesn't long to tuck in their children and kiss them on the forehead and rub their hair a little bit and just after their bedtime prayers, just remind them, I want to remind you that you are destined for suffering and affliction. I mean, these words really warm the heart. Sweet dreams, buddy. Like, right? This sends every commencement speech on its head. He doesn't talk about you're destined for greatness. You're destined to change the world. You're destined to follow your dreams. No, what he says is you are destined to find suffering and affliction. And this is something that we must have a good theology and philosophy on. We must have a good theology and philosophy on suffering. Because it is a guarantee we will experience it. Because God hates us? Because we're doing something wrong? No. No. Those were the questions that the church in Thessalonica had. I mean, they had just made the decision to follow Jesus not too long ago. And they thought maybe something that some of, some of us have thought, that if I follow Jesus, and if I live my life in the way I should live my life, that I'll be rewarded for that, and that everything will be easy. But God's never promised us that. And if we don't understand that in our mindset, that God's never made us that offer, He hasn't given us that guarantee. In fact, He's told us just the opposite that we would experience trouble and hardship and suffering and affliction until we wrap our minds around that that's what God has promised us that we would experience. When the suffering comes, we are ill-equipped to deal with it. And here is Paul, someone that God used under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to write two-thirds of the New Testament. who finds himself isolated and alone. Who went through numerous times of being imprisoned. Whose life was in jeopardy. And who suffered greatly. Who suffered greatly. And he says, we told you we told you the suffering was coming. We told you that affliction was on its way. These were the things that we reminded you and we told you about constantly, that this was going to happen. It wasn't a promise that everything was going to be easy. It wasn't a promise that life was going to constantly be pleasant. There was none of that. Said just the opposite. We told you that this was going to come, but until you're there and until you experience it for yourself, until you're walking through the valley day after day, until you experience the loss and the grief, there's not a greater level than you've ever experienced before. 
I would say you're never fully prepared. And the question is, when you find yourself there, how do you respond? How do you respond? Do you become bitter because you're experiencing hard times? Do you become bitter because you thought somewhere along the way that God had made a promise or a guarantee to you that He's never made? And so you're holding God to a standard and to a deal that He never agreed to? Do you throw in the towel? Do you become bitter? Do you become angry? Do you become despondent? How do you respond? And we better have a good theology and philosophy for how we deal with suffering because we've been promised we're going to encounter it. And if we're like most people, this is no longer a hypothetical. Because if we're like most people, this year's been incredibly difficult. And so we no longer have to talk in the terms of hypothetically this will come. For many of us, it is here. And now there are questions of our health that we've never really had to ask before. And every time we cough, there's a certain level of anxiety and fear that begins to plague our minds. Or maybe it's the result of uncertainty at the job. What was once so stable is now either gone or an incredible uncertainty. And what you could always count on before now is just a mystery. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe as a result of all the complications that the pandemic has brought about, work is a certainty. And it's starting to kill you. Because it is stealing all of your joy. And there is no margin left in your life. And you are now miserable to be around. And your family doesn't really enjoy it when you get home from work. Because you bring into your house every stress that you are carrying. And you can't turn it off. I don't know what it is for you. But I know if you're like most of us, it's there and it's now. And we don't have to talk about hardship and suffering and affliction like it's some hypothetical, like it will certainly come, but it's down the road. We have to confront the fact that it is here. Thus, we must have a good theology and philosophy for what to do with it. And for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, verse 5 says, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Notice he says, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about you that your faith may be deserted, that you in this time of hardship may just turn your back on the faith. You may throw in the towel, say, forget it. I'm, it's not worth it. Whatever the case may be, that you're just done. 
you're just done. And maybe that's something that you've experienced. Maybe it's something you're wrestling through right now because, again, you feel like if I follow Jesus, life should be easy. If I do what I'm supposed to do, God should offer me nothing but blessing. And if that is your mindset, when that does not occur and it's not going to occur, that is a promise to us throughout the New Testament. causes you to ask some really difficult questions and be tempted to just turn your back on it altogether. And notice the response. Notice the response. Paul's worried about him. And so what does he do? He leans into the relationship. He leans into the relationship. He's concerned about them because of the hardship and the hard times that they're going through. He doesn't beat them up. He leans into the relationship. So much so that he sends Timothy, and now he's isolated and he's alone, but he sends Timothy to them for their benefit so that they could experience community. And this is why community is so valuable and so important. Community is important all the time. But let's be honest. Community is easy during times of success. It's easy, to, it's easy to go to the championship parade. That's easy. And when everything in your life is going great, community is easy to find. But when hardship comes... And when you find yourself in the valley, that's when you discover who your real friends are. That's who you discover who's really on your team. And that time especially is when community is essential. And Paul knows they're going through a hard time. And he doesn't want them to be isolated. He doesn't want them to be alone. And again, this is one of the challenges that we have due to the nature of the pandemic and everything right now is, is people, people to varying degrees need to be distanced from one another. But we must make sure that we do everything we can so that that distance doesn't mean that they become distant from one another. There's value in relationship. There's value in community. It is a necessity. And here he's worried about them, so he leans into the relationship and he sends Timothy to be there for them so that they are not alone and they are not isolated during this time. And I just want to encourage you. I just want to challenge you. Don't ignore the whisper that God puts on our souls. Don't ignore the whisper that God puts on our souls. If you have a feeling or, or, or a whisper that God puts in your soul that you need to check in on someone, that you need to do something for someone, don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. There, there was that feeling within, within Paul's being. And so he sends Timothy. Never ignore that when God puts somebody on your heart. If God puts somebody in your heart, lean into that. There's a reason that he's put them. On your heart. 
But now that Timothy has come to us, verse 6 says, from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. I, I just want to stop right there. Sometimes God gives us that voice. Sometimes God gives us that voice because it's an encouraging report. God doesn't just put people on our soul because it's a heavy time and a depressing time and a time of hardship for others. Sometimes God puts that voice, sometimes God puts that person on our heart, sometimes God puts that person in our soul because it's a time of encouragement. And we get to check in with that person and hear an inspiring story of how God has worked in their lives as well. So it doesn't mean just because that God puts somebody on our hearts, that there's something wrong in their lives. But sometimes God does that so that we can rejoice with them as well. And we can celebrate their wins right alongside of them. Sometimes that voice gives way to encouraging news. And what is the encouraging news? Well, Timothy reports back their faith and their love. Their faith in their love. And Paul hears about their faith and their love, and he celebrates their faith and their love. He hears about their faith and their love, and it encourages his heart, and he celebrates what God's doing in their lives. And that's one of the things that we want to do as part of the community of Lakeside, is we want to celebrate God working. We want to celebrate the faith and the love that God demonstrates to people right here at Lakeside. So this week, we're going to be releasing on social media as well as our website, lakeside-church.com, the very first in a new series that we're starting called Lakeside Stories. And what we want to hear in Lakeside Stories is stories of how God's worked in our lives. Just simple ways that God has worked and He's shown His faithfulness in our lives. And this week, we're going to be debuting the very first one of these. And we would love to hear how God has worked in your life as well, so that we as a community can come alongside and celebrate that together because it encourages all of us and it reminds all of us that God is at work. And sometimes when we're in the valley and sometimes when it seems like we're never getting out of this place and sometimes when we're just stuck, we need the reminder all the more that God is faithful and he's good and here's how he is currently working. So if you would share with us your story of how God is working in your life and you would be willing to allow us to film that and release it and share it with everybody, then send us an email. You can send us an email to office at lakeside-church.com and we want to celebrate right alongside of you God's goodness. And it doesn't have to be any, anything life-altering and major. It may be, and that's awesome if it is, but it may be much more simple than that. Nevertheless, we want to walk through that with people, and we want to rejoice right alongside of you. So be looking for Lakeside Stories this, uh, this week as we debut that. It'll be on our social media as well as our website, lakeside-church.com. Verse 7 says this, For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. 
For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through our faith, even though we're having a horrible season of life. Even though our lives are not easy, even though our lives are not good, even though we're having a horrible season of life, we find comfort in what God is doing in you. In you. Never become so jaded that because you're experiencing hardship and because you're experiencing difficulty, that you cannot celebrate the success of others. Never allow yourself to become so jaded that because you find yourself in the valley, you cannot celebrate somebody else when they're on the peak. And I understand that life is hard. And I understand you may find yourself in the valley because you've been a victim, because others haven't been fair to you because you, you've been taken advantage of, but never, ever, ever become so jaded that you cannot get to the point where you can celebrate how God is working in other people's lives because your own life is difficult. Never allow yourself to get to that point where your heart cannot be moved how God is working in the lives of others. And he says, our life isn't easy right now. In fact, our life's incredibly difficult. But our lives are made better because we see God working in your life. We find comfort in what God is doing in you. So we need to make sure that we let our stories be encouraging to one another. So that even in times of difficulty, we find hope collectively. That we can put aside our own difficulty, and we can rejoice with somebody else. And this is what we've been called to do as a community, that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice. That while they celebrate, we celebrate. And the flip side, we are to mourn with those who mourn. And in order to do this and be the community that God has called us to be, it means we must get out of our way. We must go beyond ourselves and our own circumstances and see that there's a bigger picture in this world and in this community than me. That's what it requires us. I've got to move beyond myself so that even in times of difficulty for me, I can celebrate with you. And even in times when I'm celebrating, I can recognize the difficulty in your life. And I am right there beside you, not minimizing it, but embracing it and embracing that journey right with you every step of the way. That's what we've been called to do. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. As we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. He says, how can I thank God enough for the encouragement you've been to me? You need friends like this. You need friends like this. How can I thank God enough for the encouragement that you have been to me? 
This is what you need. You need people that, that make you feel full, that when you think about them, you say, God, I can't thank you enough for putting this person in my life. These are the friends you need, and this is the type of friend you need to strive to be. That people are so thankful for you when they think about you. And then he says this, and how can I be praying for you? How can I be praying for you? And this is, this is an integral part of community. And that, they, that it prays for one another. And this is one of the ways I want to challenge us at Lakeside. I want to challenge us. We announce it every week. For a reason. Because we really do love to pray for the things that are on your hearts and for the things that you're experiencing and going through. We love, we love to pray for our community. And so every week as a staff, we pray for every request that comes in. We pray for every single one. Because we want you to know that what's in your life and what's on your heart matters to God and it matters to us. And I believe there is incredible power when God's people unite together and they pray for things. That's why we have a team of people that we send the prayer requests out to. And we've, we do a really good job about praying for health concerns. And, and that's, that's not to... That's not to diminish that. We understand that health concerns are a very big deal to people. They matter. And it's a time where a lot of uncertainty and fear and anxiety can come into the picture. And so we love to pray for people about their health concerns. And that's very important. And we don't want to, I'm not trying to diminish that on any level. But we need to move beyond just the health concerns. I'm not saying there's a problem with us praying for health concerns, but our prayers need to move beyond just health concerns. We need to be praying for other things that are going on in people's lives as well. And what that requires is a couple things. It requires vulnerability, and it requires authenticity. It requires vulnerability, and it requires authenticity. For you to reach out and say, pray for me. I'm struggling with this, or pray for me in my uncertainty of this, or, or pray, you know, what, whatever the case may be. And I understand that some of those things are very personal. And so the last thing any of us want to do is, is release all of the things that are in our lives to, to an entire prayer team. I get that. And I understand that. And if it's not appropriate to be released to an entire prayer team, that's fine. If you want just the pastors to know, then you can send us an email, and, and that won't be shared. Or if, if you've got somebody else in your life, just make sure you know it's somebody that you can trust, and they can pray for that as well. But if you have, if you have something that you want just a couple people to be praying about and not everybody to be praying about, you can send that either on the email or on, on the prayer card that you fill out and just write staff only or pastors only, and then nobody else We'll look at it. Nobody else will see it. You can certainly email any of us individually if you want us to pray for that, and we'll keep it to ourselves, and we'll pray for it. But there is power when God's people unite together and pray. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that God's going to answer every prayer that we have in the way that we want Him to answer it. And sometimes... 
years from now, we'll look back and we'll understand that. I mean, all I've got to do is look at my Facebook friends, and I'm taken back to high school, and I thought, well, I prayed for God, you know, that I'd end up with her, and thank God I didn't. You know, some, don't worry, they're thinking the same thing about me. But you, you just, you, you think that sometimes. It becomes very clear later on, and you're so thankful that God didn't answer prayer in the way that you prayed it at the time. But sometimes, you'll never have that. And sometimes you'll never understand why God didn't answer the prayer in the way you wanted Him to. And if we don't have a theology and a philosophy for how to deal with suffering and how to deal with that hardship, then when those times come where we've cried out to God and asked Him to, to work in a way and He chooses not to work in the way that we've asked Him to, our hearts can become hardened. And we can withdraw. And maybe, truth be told, that's happened in your life. And if the truth was known, you haven't prayed in ages. Because you think, why bother? What does it even matter? What good's it going to do? And if you find yourself there, I want to encourage you. In the quietness of this moment, in your heart, just confess that to God. Just say, God, I'm angry. I'm disappointed. I don't understand. And ask Him to take that and begin to work and reveal Himself to you in a whole new way. Because God already knows what you're thinking. And he already knows what you're experiencing. So you don't need to run. And you don't need to hide from it. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. He says, God, help us love each other. God, help us love each other even more. Not because we're lacking something. Not because we don't have enough of something, but God help us love each other even more because genuine love transforms us, genuine love changes us, and genuine love brings us closer to its source. And 1 John tells us that God is love. He is the source. So he says, just bring us closer. Let our love increase and let it grow, not because we need anything, but because it transforms us and it brings us closer to God when we experience true love as it should be. Why? So that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness 
before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. What's the point of all of this? What's the point of all of this? That we would live lives that bring glory and honor to God. That we would live in expectation for the return of Jesus and that our lives would look as God wants our lives to look. That we would seek to honor Him in the ways that we live. That our lives would be blameless and they would be holy in response to Him and all that He has done for us. We choose to honor Him. In a couple minutes, the band's going to come play. And then we're going to take communion together. And we're going to remember the sacrifice of our Lord for us. We invite you to join us. If you didn't get the elements on your way in during the song, I invite you to go to the back where you can pick up an individually packaged thing of communion. Just hang on to it and I'll come back out and together we'll remember the sacrifice of our Lord. That His body was broken for us and His blood was poured out on our behalf. That He paid the ultimate price for our redemption so that we could be reconciled to Him. So that we could experience love. And this needs to be our aim. That we would live lives in community to bring us closer to Him. Understanding that God has not promised us easy lives and nothing but goodness. But He has given us the promise that we don't have to experience the difficulty alone. And that lakeside, we have each other in the good times and the bad. God, I pray that we would be people who live lives that bring glory and honor to you. I pray, God, that we would seek to serve you in all that we do. That we would never lose sight of the fact that when we had nothing to offer you, you gave us everything. And that sacrifice cost God, help us remember that you've not promised us life to be easy. But Lord, that we don't have to walk through the hardship alone. Help us remember your sacrifice. Help us live lives that bring you honor. And help us live in community. Helping each of us become more like you, Jesus. That's our prayer.
your name we pray.